In the heart of the state of the art, at the dawn of the next stage in entertainment, you found no proscenium. found no proscenium the voice of everything immersive i'm your host noah nelson and welcome to episode 417 of our ongoing exploration of the immersive cosmos this week on the show joining us all the way from stockholm sweden via the magic of the internet is gustav stenmark producer of demio battles for resolution games Demio Battles, of course, was a name you just heard on our last episode, The Gift Guide, because it made our nice list this year and joins the original Demio as one of the great games you can have for VR. One that you don't even have to have VR to play, as it also works on flat screens via PC. And there's cross-play. We'll get into the development of the game in the interview. But first... I want to talk to you about something I've been finding out there in the world in that I keep on running into folks who are pretty heavy users of no proscenium folks who travel around and use the site to find new things to go see. And they keep on not knowing about everything immersive, everything immersive.com, which is our searchable cure and also curated curated and searchable two different modalities uh it is our site the the very site that we use to make each week's newsletter that has a treasure trove of information wherever you are in the world if a producer has told us about it or if our curatorial team has found it it's in there at ei everythingimmersive.com use this search via your local area search via the name of a company you like you can even just pop in a genre and and go from there everythingimmersive.com the search engine it is it is filled not with a bunch of garbage from the internet but it is whatever producers have told us and what our curatorial team has put together it is absolutely a critical part of our infrastructure at NoPro. And on top of that is uh, just a really great tool for fans. And it seems like a lot of people don't know that it's there. Um, we link to it on every post we make. We put it on the front page of NoPro, but folks just aren't paying attention. So here we go. Here's me telling you, use everythingimmersive.com to find your next great immersive adventure. If you're out there and you're searching and you want to know, that's the way to go. If you just like kind of sitting back and getting the newsletter, well, if you're already signed up, you're in good shape. You're going to keep on getting it because before we get into this week's interview, I want to do our usual Patreon check-in. First, I want to thank our latest backers, Mariana Rodriguez and Caroline Sharkey. Thank you both for joining us. Right now, we are just 10 backers shy of our next milestone of 450. We've been trying to paddle towards that for a while now. With membership about to level up, this is one of the best times to become a backer because starting on December 15th, the $2 a month tier is going into the vault and will no longer be offered for new members. $2 is over. 
can't really get anything. You can barely get a candy bar for $2 these days. And you're not going to be able to get backer tier with us anymore. If you're already a $2 backer, don't worry. You're fine. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to change anything. But it's no longer going to be offered for new members. So if you want to get in before then, swing over to patreon.com slash no percentium before that deadline and before the newsletter also becomes something that's offered only to new paid members. That's also happening at the end of, well, actually, it's probably going to happen during December because we have to transfer over to an all new system because of MailChimp, uh, which is just getting way too expensive to keep going. Uh, so if you want to, uh, now is the best time to become a backer. And pretty much after the middle of December, uh, if you want the newsletter, that's going to pretty much be your only option. Not entirely your only option but your major clear option. Becoming a member also gives you access to our Discord and some other fun perks we have brewing, including we're going to do some tourneys and some game nights with Demio and with Walkabout Mini Golf, which is coming back around with an all-new Meow Wolf-based level. That is coming up soon, and you're going to hear more about that on the show very soon. As always, big thanks to our sustaining backers, Samuel Mustry, Chris Woolman, Samantha Davison, Eric Shamlin, Elaine, Daryl, John Boulette, Cameo Wood, Jay Bushman, Jerome Joseph Gentes, Kurt Collins, Winthorne, Ryan, David Bassick, Richard Ayers, Lonnie Hands-On, Lecker the Cool, the Ministry of Peculiarities, and Jan Budman. Thank you all for keeping us going. We really do appreciate it. I appreciate it. My landlord appreciates it most of all. Uh, and you know what? We're always on the lookout for community partners who are up for working out special deals for our backers. Hit me up at noah at nopersinium.com for details. And with that, enough of this. Let's get into this week's interview. Longtime listeners and readers know that we're big fans of the dungeon crawling extravaganza Demio and its follow up Demio Battles, both of which are part of the Demio Action role playing system and which are available right now on Steam for PC and VR and MetaQuest and Pico for VR. Joining us on the pod today is Gustav Stenmark, producer of Demio Battles for Resolution Games, the Stockholm based game studio. Gustav, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So before we get into the guts of Demio Battles, and, and, I, and I got some questions, I want to know a bit more about you and your role at Resolution. Yeah, sure. So uh, I joined Resolution as one of the first employees. Uh, it's coming up on nine years now since I joined. So I've been with Resolution for a very long time. Uh, before that, I was a producer over at King, uh, the company behind Candy Crush. Uh, and then some other game companies working mostly on mobile and uh, Facebook games, web games, was my focus before, both as a producer and then as a, as a developer early on in my career. One's got to think that that making XR and making mobile, from, from the outside looking in, can't think of anything more different in some ways, but... But is that true, or are there a lot of things that you learn that, that applied from phone as interface to to 
VR and, and virtual hands as interface. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, from the from the like outset, maybe not, but I would actually say that it's uh, my my background in mobile development has actually helped me uh, in VR. So uh, when I started in the VR, uh, sorry, in the in the mobile space, um, phones had uh, buttons on them, so you could use them like a Game Boy or something, and then. Uh, I was there when we transitioned over into smartphones. And you had to reimagine all the user experience when you working with a touch interface, right, on a on a touch touch screen or a smartphone. Uh, and um, I would say early VR as well, right? Uh, there was PC VR uh, with the Oculus uh, DK development kits, and also um, like Vive was quite early on we've decided to focus on on mobile vr early so the first game i launched was uh, bait uh, and that was launched on gear vr which was a collaboration between oculus and samsung back in the days and that was mobile like you actually snapped a mobile phone onto your your uh, like casket or uh, it, it was a it was like the cardboard plus plus pretty much Oh, I I, rem- I remember the gear, uh, yeah. and and uh, I remember I remember plugging things in. I remember, God, dude, like, I didn't have a Gear VR. I mean, I was given one at one point because I was like doing some like copy edit uh, on yeah. on on a on a VR film that was being launched on it, and then uh, I also <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't uh, it wasn't the Gear VR, but at one point the people who make Viewmasters made like a case for phones so you could view VR content in them. So that yeah. that was really Cardboard Plus because it was just like, yeah. hey, it's cardboard but plastic. You just hold it up to your face. Um, yeah, I, 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 went through, yeah the... I went through a bit of a weird collecting <laughs> VR thing phase there. Yeah. We have uh, in, in one of the uh, bookshelves in the office, we have uh, a whole array of different uh, hardware that we've been sent to try out over the years, including that Viewmaster, actually. <laughs> but, it, was, but... it, was, it was a fun form factor, you know, not yeah, much was. to it, it but was. it was fun. Yeah, yeah. lots of yeah. nostalgia. But, but I have to say the Gear VR was actually quite capable for what it was. Like you, you had a touchpad on, the, in your, like on your forehead. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you could interact with the game. You could like double tap much like a, a touchscreen. Uh, but I, then, then they actually uh, launched a three DOF controller uh, to the Gear VR, so that that really took it to the next level, I guess. I'm, I'm going to spare us waxing nostalgic about that particular era yeah. of VR because I, I nearly I nearly went down a deep rabbit hole, but yeah. uh, a lot of people <laughs> on the show have heard that one already. Uh, yeah. So it'll bring us back to Demio. <laughs> oh, I'm so tempted right now. Everyone's like, "Oh Noah, don't do it." Okay, so so but Demio, we're we we do love Demio here. So like Patrick McLean is, is my counterpart here on the VR side. And uh, we, we love getting in there and playing it. Like having, having playing the original Demio together was some of the, the most fun we had like, you know, like a year and change ago. And when battles got launched, we got very excited because I think that right from the start, uh, you know, getting getting to some PvP action was something that we wanted to do. But I wanted to roll back into Demio for a second. And mm-hmm. when when Demio was first being developed, when you were first sort of breaking the game, what did the team know going in that it wanted to accomplish? What was like the the big target for that game? 
Wow, that's a big question. So actually, I, I oh, we don't do sorry, we don't do small uh, questions here. I got to admit, yeah, so. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Uh, no, but so uh, we we were working closely with Facebook and their social VR team over at Facebook at that point, uh, developing games for their platform uh, spaces that were later launched. Uh, so uh, we were doing a lot of prototyping already on on their platform, right? Uh, so. Um, I guess the discussion was like, what could we do here? We're four people around the table. Like that, that was the spaces platform. And then uh, the idea of like a, a game box, you could you could uh, just lift the lid off and pick up the, the the little figurines and start playing. That that was the the start of uh, of battles originally. Uh, oh, sorry, of of Demio. Um, I've been talking a lot about battles the last few days. Uh, that, well, that was the start it, of Demio. Well, it, <laughs> but also, you know, thus the start of battles, right? You know, like there's, yeah. there's an evolutionary chain here. Obviously, Interesting that it should be from from the spaces, because mm-hmm. I remember when that was around and having a lot of fun with just some of the really basic games that were in there and getting excited about the prospect. Yeah, and then and then they took it away. <laughs> I was like, yeah. why did you take it away? Yeah, that was that was sad actually. I, I really liked Spaces uh, from a, like it had a great feature set, right? But it it was also very limiting, right? You uh, there was no metaverse. It was just that room and then your friends that you could invite. Uh, but it had a lot of possibilities. I guess the closest you can get now is the Workspace VR app. Um, we've been trying out a bit. Um, resolution um, but yeah so so that was where where we started off uh like at least early prototypes and then uh i actually launched a game uh the the fishing game i was talking about earlier bait actually was released on spaces uh where you would stand four people around the table and fishing at the center of the table in like a, a little hole in the ice it was like an ice table it was a really fun project to do actually um so um yeah, and th- that's actually the reason why it's four players in Demio. Uh, it's uh, it it harks back to to Facebook Spaces. So as you told me, you joined the Demio project uh, while it was already in motion uh, with one of the first expansions. What when it came to coming up to Demio battles and going from the the sort of full on, you know. Uh, basement gaming there's a there's a shop mode for casual play these heavy aesthetics um to this focused pvp game when what's what's the arc there to get us to the battles that we know right now yes i i guess it was uh, like you mentioned earlier like the like we like to call it the demio role-playing uh or action role-playing system it's um what it is is like um a bunch of uh, like the interaction between different pieces gives you a lot of emergent behaviors, right? So uh, uh, this this was a very short prototype initially, uh, or like a uh, you know two day hack to see do we have something here? Uh, could we play PvP? And then without changing too much or like. Um, uh, we already had something that was exciting because of a lot of those combinatorics in in the gameplay, the the emergent gameplay. 
uh, and then um, so I, th I think the the initial prototype was quite close to um, the the product or the product that uh, that launched in the end. Um, so yeah, it, it was a it's, it was a matter of like picking Demio apart and reassembling it in a slightly different way, right? <laughs> what is what is that process like? How much how much of of it is uh, just sort of like fighting the code? How much of it is uh, paper prototyping where you know what it is you want to hit? So I, I love this idea that this is that this is a, a hack you did to get PvP going and then it just worked. So t take us through that a little bit. Yeah, so I mean, the the base around everything we do at Resolution is playtesting and playtesting and more playtesting. Uh, and if the team loves the product and the product, which uh, the Demio team really loves both battles and Demio, it's very easy to get everyone on board uh, with playtesting, right? So we've done a lot of playtesting, um, obviously digging through old code because Demio is... Uh, quite complex code base um, so uh, trying to straighten that out a bit making the code base work for for uh, like supporting both games um, but um, uh, yeah it's 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 been more of a we, we've had a few like um, what do you call it um, uh, you know where it, everything narrows down to a point and then we we've found the solution to a problem and then uh, uh, everything fell into place again. So the, the initial prototype, for instance, was quite large maps. Uh, and as long as the, you were playing it, you were going like towards the center and trying to attack each other. It was fun. But what often happened was that both players would run out of cards and the monsters would be dead. Uh, and then it would be just a matter of like melleeing your opponent down uh, pretty much so uh, there was at some point we were like okay we need to fix this mechanic where where players run out of cards and then obviously the uh, the loot chests uh, uh, was was one part of that um, we, we tried some stuff with like holding monsters back uh, that would enter the stage later but then eventually we realized the the, the mechanic with burn uh, was uh, the the lava that comes from all all directions. Uh, that would be a good way of like concentrating everything uh, uh, towards the center of the map towards the end. Um, and that was one of those like epiphanies in in the game design, I would say, um, that solved a lot. When when you were first cracking this one and playing, was there thought to do something that was more tactical RPG style? Because one of the things about the game is it's it's you're con you're drafting your monsters, but you're only controlling your hero and your cards when you're when you're actually in play. Yeah, and so yeah, um, I have I I, I at first. So you know where I'm going from, from like when I first heard you were doing Demio Battles, I thought it was going to be more that. And then we played it. And the first game, we the first round we played, I was like, oh man, I really want to control my monsters. Mm -hmm. And then we played a couple more rounds and I started to see how fast the rounds were. And I came around on that rhythm and not being able to control the monsters because it meant we could 
play more rounds. And so, so now I'm, I'm seeing the benefit of that. Even if when I first picked it up, I was like, oh, I don't have as much control as I thought I was going to have. But was that something that y'all tried first? Because I'm, I'm so fascinated by the rhythms of this game. Because um, there's like a little bit of tactical RPG in here, a little bit of MOBA in here, a little bit of, and, and there's always been a little bit of magic, uh, you know, yep. TCG in this. Um, even in the original Demio. So, yeah, how, how, how did how did all those dials get set to where they are right now? Yeah. No, I, I think uh, I have not played a version of this game where you control all the, the monsters, actually. Uh, I mean, we have discussed it, but that would, would have been uh, quite a heavy lift uh, to get done. Uh, so we, we never even bothered prototyping it. Uh, and I think we, we tried to optimize a bit for speed. Like you, you, you mentioned, the rounds are quite short and the games are quite short, actually, right? You, we were aiming for around, I would say, like 15 minutes plus minute, plus minus a few minutes would be the sweet spot for this game. And I think we, we nailed it uh, in, in that regard. That's been our uh, experience so far, yeah. Yeah, that's good. and that means you can you can play a few few rounds with your with your play group, and then you can go and still play a full round of Demio if you want, or if you're short on time, you can play uh, like spend spend an hour playing a few rounds of Demio, right? Uh, uh, battles, and then uh, some nights maybe for a bit more long form, uh, like a, a more of a board game night, Demio is the perfect game for that. So. Um, uh, yeah, we, we we try to optimize for for shorter rounds, uh, for sure, and more more uh, concentrated action. Um, but I was sorry, I lost my train of thought there. Uh, what was the question? Oh, it's okay. Basically. I, I asked yeah. ask multivariant questions about. So so there's there's a bit of the, like the recipe here is a little bit of tactical RPG, a little bit of MOBA, a little bit of mm. of magic, and you know when when you when you brought the dish together when you brought the the final game how how did you dial in on that you know like the the 15 minute target that's been hit and accomplished the 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 burn mechanic right which has become something central to um you know battle royale style games uh, yeah. in order for concentrating attention but I also get, I haven't played too many MOBAs, but like as we were playing it, I was like imagining, oh, I think this might be a little bit how MOBAs work in terms of the way the monsters are going. So was there some of that influence there? Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not a big MOBA player, but uh, I know some on the teams, like some people on the team are. Uh, so uh, that was probably an influence, uh, at least uh, initially, right? Uh, in, in the early prototyping stages. But I, th I think it just works, uh, that part of it. Um, when it comes to uh, the randomness, and like so controlling every single monster would be a completely different game and it, it would be slower, like you say. And I also think most games are a blend of like chance or randomness and uh, skill, right? And uh, on one end of that spectrum, you have chess, which is pure skill, right? If you lose, you feel horrible, right? Because it's like because a, it was definitely it, your fault. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> you didn't <But>. see something. <laughs> You're dumber than the other player. <laughs> yeah, 
And and I guess battles is quite far on the other. I mean, the the most random would be to just roll a dice and see who who gets the highest accumulated score. But uh, battles is somewhere in between. There is a lot of tactical elements to it, uh, but it's also like obviously what what end already what what shows up in the store uh, pre-game, like what what loadout uh, can you pull together? Uh, that will that will affect it too. But I think. One of the things I really like is that you you go into the store, maybe you see a card you like. Like sometimes I, I will find the uh, the rejoin card or regroup card, and then I will just buy that card and then tons of monsters rush to the center, play rejoin, and then have everyone just lump together in the center, uh, which can be quite fun. And I've won quite a few games oh, that way oh, i'm taking notes i'm uh, not i gotta do this i gotta <laughs> play a couple of rounds before i release the podcast so patrick doesn't know this tactic okay good all right all right, all right. <laughs> fair warning though yeah. if, if your opponent has the heaven's fury you're you're out of luck right <laughs> i'll just keep a... telling him not to buy that card so yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a it's a high risk tactic that sometimes pays off but when we it call pays that off, game it's balance really around here so uh... yeah <laughs> <laughs> right uh but yeah and uh, i Speaking of game balance, that was another one of those things where uh, it's obviously a very complex game to to balance. And uh, in some playtests, uh, a card that before was a bit like no one really brought it, and then someone figured out something fun to do with it, and we realized like when this game is out in the wild, this could become a dominating strategy. We have to at least make this card a bit either more rare or more expensive. Um, that makes me realize how complicated, <laughs> not just from a coding standpoint, right? I met you mentioned that the Demio's code is pretty complex, but like you have a number of interlocking gaming systems stacked on top of each other here. Yeah. You've got, you've got miniatures movement, you've got dice rolling, you've got a card mechanic, and all of those things have to be working together. That that, and and adding the dimension of, of the the versus part. I imagine a good chunk of it was solved during the development of Demio itself. But adding, you know, four minds, even if some of them are virtual, playing against each other, uh, creates a a really you know, tough nut to crack. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I think that's that's been one of the challenges because, uh, like, Demio, uh, even though I think we always knew we wanted to try something in along PvP with Demio eventually, right? It wasn't there from the very beginning, and designing Demio, we hadn't, re- we didn't really have to like keep ourselves. Uh, like it's it's fine if a card is a bit op right because it's only going to hurt the monsters right which exactly which is, it feels good game. Yeah, yeah right you're like so oh like, thank you get that yeah. card you're like oh thank god <laughs> yeah. so so the the like the power fantasy for the players can be like uh, explored and then in this game like we early on you the the freeze potion was cheap and it was uh, common, so you could start the game as a wizard with like three freeze, uh, not the freeze potion, the freeze uh, spell. Uh, and we had a few games where like, I, I was in a playtest where I didn't move once during a game. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, that's when you realize, okay, this this needs to be less common. And th- there's a few other cards that we had to actually give a bit of a PvP treatment for them to be even like possible to include in the game because like effects that are fine against uh, a monster is going to be a horrible experience for a player uh, yeah. even if it's on the opposite opposite team so uh, we've had to do a few of those and then we had a few instances where even without rolling a crit you could actually kill a player on first contact oh my uh, yeah like the 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 assassin uh, doing a backstab um, would be that, or I think it's called Cursed Dagger, the card. Yeah. Anyways, we, we had to like make sure that th- that would be a bit too harsh, right? You you should at least have to roll a crit in order to down a hero in one turn, and then it's going to be up to the other hero to just stay out of harm's way uh, and, and not like um, walk into that. But but uh, it shouldn't also be just possible to from the get go uh, down a hero. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so we've had to take those things into consideration, obviously. Which is not like it has nothing to do with the the, the code base of the game. It's more like the the way the game was designed. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, and then another thing that we had to rethink a bit was the health mechanic, right? The the healing potions. Uh, one thing that is in absolute um opposition to faster game rounds is uh, unlimited health potions or so for a while you could find health potions when you were uh, just in the store uh and then you could start the game with like three health potions uh which made games last half an hour of which the last 15 minutes weren't that fun right it was more a question of who has the most health potions from the store so uh then we actually tried for a while, uh, sorry, now I'm getting nostalgic about the, the <laughs> development. But uh, for a while, we had like we put the 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 health potion in the store, and there was only one of them. You could actually choose to buy one or not. Uh, so it was like a, a tactical choice you could make. Like, do I bring a health potion or not? If not, then you have more money to buy other stuff for. Uh, but eventually we realized it's it's like even then it was it wasn't you you never knew if your opponent had a health potion and it was a bit um so so we had to uh, we i think we landed in a good spot where like you you get one from the beginning that's the only one you get and it will actually revive you uh, if you're downed so i could i could i could see why you went the route of you know, putting in the store and that was like, you know, is someone taking it or not? But then also like the, the sheer strategic convert, you know, confusion of, do I got to do this guy twice or is this going to be okay if I, you know, like, cause the last thing you want to, you've committed all your resources and then you got him. You're like, yes, down. And then like, no, <laughs> and yeah. I didn't get mine. Uh, like that kind of basically an instant reversal. Um, yeah. because if things are balanced right it, it it should often feel like you know it's the last gasp before you know someone wins yeah. um you, you want those pitched battles in this kind of setup because it is different than um you, you may still want that in when you're playing like against the pc but 
you really want that feeling when you're playing against other players. Otherwise, it just feels like, you know, one person is having too much fun and everyone else is miserable. Yeah, exactly. Um, I want to ask both on a, a, this is kind of a combination, like play and a little bit of a business question of just how, how important is the cross-play element here? Uh, because the game is available uh, on multiple VR platforms, but also on PC, so that folks who are just, you know, only dealing with flat screens can also play. And and I know that Patrick, uh, you know, our counterpart, he's got a Demio group, and like two of them have headsets, and two of them don't, and that's how mm-hmm. they play uh, yeah. consistently. And they've they've gone through the game like twice now, uh, like every scenario. Um, yeah, cool. So uh, you know, you got some sales there, and you got some more sales coming yeah. with b- battles. But yeah. how how important was that uh, to to make sure that was working in the game and make sure that was working for battles at launch? Yeah, so I mean, uh, the the 2D version that we built, it was a combination of factors. I mean, obviously we're uh, we we really believe in VR and AR or mixed reality as a studio, uh, but also we want to sell games, right? Uh, so that was one uh, factor of it. The, the the traditional PC market is still much bigger than the VR market. So that's that's obviously one thing. But it's also like even now when we have great sales uh, of like uh, the, the, the Quest 2, uh, the Quest 3 now, uh, the PlayStation VR 2, there's a lot of headsets out there. But still, like there's people out there that own a headset and don't have a single friend with a headset. Uh, I, I still yeah. think that's true. Uh, it was very much true in the early days, uh, but still true now. So I guess for us, it was like both bringing this game, which which lends itself very well to 2D as well, even though I still think like playing Demio in VR uh, is a very immersive experience. Uh, it's, it still actually works really well in 2D. Uh, and... Um, so, so we knew we could get players into a game with other people and they wouldn't have to care about, is this a VR player? Is this a 2D player? Um, so, um, uh, yeah, it, it felt quite natural to, to do so. Uh, like, uh, it was a, a natural evolution of the product. Um, and the ultimate goal was to bring in more players and make more players get to play with their friend group of choice and not just people that happen to own a VR headset. I, I, I love that you've enabled that because the, 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 it is re- kind of weird given how social VR can be. And I, and I've, you know, I ran around alt space when alt space was around. I have friends who develop stuff for VR chat. I've mm-hmm. you know played multiplayer sessions of beat saber and had really, and and walk about mini golf, you know, is you know That's we ran amazing. tournaments of of that thing during the pandemic, um, mm-hmm. during the height of the pandemic, and we, it's all of these are such great social functions and and the I loved in the original Demio, the 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 basement game store like I we we spent time just painting miniatures in there, yeah. you know, and, and just having conversations, this idea of idle spaces to be in. 
that that you know more more in some ways more fun than some of the other stuff that's been provided like in the in the strictly metaversal spaces where people are like we're deliberately making social spaces and you know, i think my favorite mm-hmm. social spaces are the game store in demio and yep. like the the putt putt area around outside walkabout like those are it's like that's the met, that's my metaverse um <laughs> yep. uh, so it's it's so great to have that be able to like reach across the vr divide into the pc space so that people more more places to hang out more ways to hang out than sitting on a zoom call mm. um yeah absolutely and I, I think games are such a great way of doing that right uh, pulling people in and also keeping them there right you you come for the game maybe but you stay for the multiplayer the social aspects yeah well, and, and the fun thing about the VR, when the VR lobbies are treated as actual lobbies and not just as like a loading screen, yeah, um, yeah like that, that is, that is fantastic, right? It's like, it's the, the real evolution of what it's supposed to be. Cause I'll, I'll, I've never been the person who's just like hung out in the loading screen forever with friends. Like that feels weird to me, but like I could hang out in the loading screens of, of walkabout and Demio for a very long time because yeah. you can move about and do things. Um, yeah. I, I wish we could bring the um the same like the heroes hangout to to demio battles it's not there yet we had to to make some tough calls to to make our deadlines mm. uh, on that but maybe but but perhaps one day well speaking of deadlines and speaking of like the the crossover between the two games both are framed as part of the demio action role-playing system and so mm-hmm. i'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about what what the long arc vision is here yeah, that's a tricky question. I, I don't have anything to, to announce at this point. Uh, we've been spending a lot of time in Demio the last uh, like year, pretty much, um, adding support for MR, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And also adding new platforms. We we were a launch title on the PlayStation VR 2. Uh, the, I think, did you try Demio MR yet? I have not. Um, no. Is that okay here here i'm playing from the land of ignorance again can i do that on the quest too because i've only yeah. got okay no, you All can right. you can i mean you then will I need get to. a black yeah. and white uh, uh pass through right it's right. not the full full camera of the the quest 3 is the the, the greatest way of experiencing it obviously but um no you 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 will um you can still as long as you you map up your room uh, you like map up a table surface the game will snap to that surface uh, if you have a friend in the same room you can actually uh, play co-located oh fantastic uh, so it's it's like you're sitting or obviously you are sitting at the same table if you're in the same room but <laughs> oh, i'll have to i'll have to, I'll have to talk uh, catherine into doing that sometime that'd be good yeah you should try it it's it's really good it, it works on quest 2 as well Okay, good. That's the thing. It's it's funny because like there's been so much messaging from Meta about uh, the MR functions of the three, mm. and then once in a while I'll run into something that's doing it on the two, and not not realize that and just be like, oh, it's yeah. here too. Yeah. Um, so and here I am getting caught live in an interview, and everyone's like, no one's not paying attention. <laughs> paying attention to a lot of things. I didn't um, mean to put you on the spot. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's oh, yeah. God, please put me on the spot all the time. That's, <laughs> my students put me on the spot all the time. Yeah. So I've got I got BFA three and four is constantly like questioning everything I understand to be true, and I have to justify it. So like it's like defending a doctoral dissertation. I'm not even a PhD student. Um, <laughs> so sorry. Wow, the coffee 
just kicked in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but I have time. to say, though, like uh, speaking of the quest, too, like it's something with the way our brains work, right? You, If you focus on something colorful in a scene, uh, even in black and white pass through, like your brain fills out the blanks uh, somehow. I, oh, I've I know. Been, yeah, it's it's uncanny. Like I, I played some some prototypes in house, but also Demio, where as long as you're focusing on 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 the thing like on on the Demio game board, for instance, like I don't really I I could take off the headset and really don't realize that I've been in black and white pass through all this time. Oh, um, there. That's that's a thing about the way the brain works and and I mean, any kind of experience, but like VR in particular. I mean, when I was a kid, we only had a black and white television, and yet I knew what the colors were. Because if I saw yeah. the color, if I saw a color version of a show, someone else's house, and then I'd come back home and watch it, like I, yeah. I, my memories of those shows are not in black and white. My memories of those shows are in color. Yeah, it's fantastic, right? We, yeah, the brain is fascinating. So, but yeah, so like, um, um, yeah, I think I think that it it, it works really well. Uh, and another thing, like if I'm plugging Demio features here, uh, <laughs> the, the hand tracking, <laughs> uh, the hand tracking in Demio is, uh, I think that works really well as as well, right? So, whenever I play uh, Demio or Demio battles, I, I just put the, the controllers down for the most part, um, and and just go with my hands. Uh, it, it works really well. It's, it feels more direct. Uh, so that's another thing to try out, actually. Yeah, I was I was starting to notice that the hand tracking on on the two is getting really good as well, mm. and I'm I'm yeah. I'm tempted. It's funny though; it's like it's like features on a smartphone, right? You, you, they start adding stuff, but you're so used to engaging with a piece of tech a certain way that yeah. you find yourself doing it the old way, even though the new way is better. It's just that muscle memory. Yeah. So, but but a couple of times. Like I was, I'm, I've always done like the kind of articulation check on the fingers and I was noticing that the last time I logged in, I was like, oh, this has gotten really good. I was like looking in the mirror and I was yeah. seeing how well it was getting my hands. Hmm. And that was the moment when I was like, I think I need to try some of the games hands only, like just do a real, like I'm setting the controllers down. So knowing yeah. that that's supported in Demio and that's going to work on the two, then I'm going to dedicate our next playthrough to just hands only. And I got to imagine that feels absolutely fantastic yeah it does i mean the the one thing you you actually miss out on is the haptics right because yeah. you will not have that uh, but uh, demio is not a game that's built that much around haptics even though i think or like the the haptics we have on some platforms are are amazing right uh, the 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 playstation um, uh, the psvr2 like those controllers have amazing haptic engines uh, so that's that actually adds a lot to the immersion, but on on uh, on MetaQuest two and three, uh, it's uh, just the directness, right? You just put down the controllers, the, look at your hands. This is like your Demio will instantly just switch over, uh, oh, wow. so you can switch in and out as well. Um, so I think that works really well. It's exciting. What? I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll leave on I'll leave on this note and, and, and improvising this question. Like, I look at the full thrust of what Resolution is doing in the the VR and 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 the MR space, and I'm I'm always impressed by the swings 
y'all are taking what's what's the animating force there to to do things like dbo like spatial ops to to start playing around with with the physical space in this way and and uh, you know is it just because the territory's there and no one's done it yet or is there some sort of fundamental thing about play that you guys are chasing yeah i think so i mean we we do um a lot of prototyping obviously uh and um trying stuff uh right that's how some of our games came to be like spatial ops and uh, now racket club is launching soon right uh so uh, yeah I, I i think it's it's a hard uh it's a it's a bit of a hard question to answer but i think it's in the walls at the company right we we've been doing uh ever since the beginning we were just like seven eight people early on we were doing game jams trying stuff out um, um, and then we have a bit of a process right if, if uh, an idea um, feels good we try it out you can assemble a small team and try it and then uh, see if something sticks I'm not sure if it answered your question fully. No, it, it uh, did. I mean, I think the the critical thing there was, you know, you point out like you you do game jams and you play, and if something's yep. an interesting idea and it sticks, right? I mean, you, you just said the last part. Like, it feels like the answer is it's chasing that spirit of play. Like, you know, it's it, that's the thing is like I see, I see in the the titles that you that you're rolling out, you know, every one of them like in the afterthought kind of feels obvious it's like oh yeah a tennis game oh yeah like a spatial shooter using real space of course it's it's that it's coming from a spirit of play and not from like some calculated you know well the market can support this it's like oh hey battle royale shooters that's big right now so we're gonna chase after that like in the gaming space like it it really feels like y'all are motivated by the sense of play um and 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 you've pointing to game jam right at the start kind of confirmed what i what i thought about y'all because it's it's become internal to us that when we see that your studio you know is working on a new thing we get excited like we have now reached yeah. that threshold where it's like it's not just like all, oh new demio it's like oh the resolution folks are up to something we need to pay attention to that because they understand vr they understand mr and there are a lot of people who make games in this space, but I feel like there's really kind of only a handful who understand what it is to be playing with space, and and your studio is one of them. Thank you so much for those words. Yeah, yeah. But I think I mean, um, and obviously, like playing your games as well, right? It's such a central thing to us. So, like a game jam, sometimes all you get is like this little bit bit of an interaction or. A, little, a, a small thing of like how, how do you do this solve this um, and um, I mean and sometimes a whole idea right yeah. <laughs> a whole, whole game idea uh, and it's the same when we do the play tests right it's um, um, we, for, for battles we've had like um, two play tests a week the entire team and then a 15 minute discussion where we talk through like balancing features um that's how we like dreamt up the single player 
campaign in in battles as well, right? That was from a playtest where he's like, couldn't we do this? And then turns out we could. Fantastic. I I love I love hearing that about the studio that it's that it's playtesting and play motivated. So that's really cool. Well, Gustav, thank you so much for for taking some time out uh, at the end of your day and at the beginning of mine uh, to talk with me. And we're we're hopefully in like a year or so there'll be like another another addition to the the Demio action role playing system. We'll get a chance to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. It was great. Thank thanks for having me. Once again, I want to thank Gustav for being our guest on the show this week. Demio Battles is available now on Steam for PC and VR, the MetaQuest platform and the Pico platform, both of which are for VR. And it has crossplay between PC and VR, no matter which platform you're on. What a wonderful time we live in when it comes to games. At least that we get right on this planet right now. Um, what is there to talk about? Uh, not too much. We've got a pretty good series of interviews lined up for the next few weeks. I'm really excited about them. Uh, they're not in the can yet, and I don't want to jinx myself, but I'm actually traveling uh, for uh, one set of them, and then another set are being delivered, of course, by the magic of the internet. And then there's plenty more coming down the pipe. Uh, and of course we've got our end of the year shenanigans of which there will be many, uh, just so much stuff going on. Uh, and yes, uh, as I noted, um, well, let me here, I'm going to, I'm going to break things down just a little bit for you about this whole membership change, uh, that's going on. Cause I don't want anyone to like, no one needs to like freak out about it, but we just have to get a little more strategic about what we're doing. So it comes down, uh, and if and if you're not interested, you know, feel free to skip ahead. I'm not going to get offended. But um, what it comes down to is this: is that Mailchimp um, keeps on uh, adding new features that we don't use, uh, and keeps on jacking up the price to pay for those features that we don't use. So we need to abandon Mailchimp uh, because at some point, since they've been doing this every few months at this point, it isn't just like once a year, but like, this is like a third time they've done it this year. Um, we have to get onto a platform that is going to be more stable. Um, with that in mind, uh, there are some options in terms of what we could be doing, but I've identified that we're going to almost certainly go with ghost uh, and like all these platforms, if you wind up, um, ultimately you wind up paying per user. Uh, so, uh, which is the same as on MailChimp. It's just that it scales a little bit differently with, uh, ghost and some of these other platforms. And what ghost is going to afford us, if everything turns out to work the way it's supposed to is over the long run, we're going to be able to migrate, the website, no proscenium over to ghost as well. So the newsletter and the website will be happening on the same platform. And I'm, I'm actually really excited about that. Even though it also means we're going to be losing out on the built in medium audience, which 
for our smaller pieces, the pieces that don't do so well, uh, that can be a, you know, a substantial part of our audience, but, uh, not, not that big of an audience ultimately for the pieces that do well, it, it's a, it's a tiny fraction. It's maybe 2% of the readers are there. So I feel secure in leaving medium behind, but it is a really Titanic task to move that over. So we're going to be doing this in phases and shifts, and it's going to start by moving the MailChimp list over to ghost. Everyone who is currently signed up for the newsletter and who has been opening the newsletter at some point over the past six months, they're going to come along for the ride. Uh, folks who are not currently signed up for the newsletter or who haven't opened up in a long time, they're going to get dropped off the roll because that means we're spending less money on people who aren't opening and reading the newsletter. Uh, just, just a cold business decision we have to make because I keep on not winning the lottery. Um, with that in mind, although, you know, <laughs> I'd like to, um, with that in mind, what's going to happen going forward is after like the middle of December, after we make the switch, the only way to get the newsletter is by being a member, a paid member of the Patreon. Now, Patreon has been adding a lot of features and I definitely thought about, well, do we just do all this on Patreon now? We just do the newsletter on Patreon and, and do we shift the, the sort of the discord community over to Patreon? Um, <sighs> Patreon has not baked its community tools yet entirely. They may get there, but also if, if anything, if I've learned anything from being uh, loyal to MailChimp for a decade and, and baked in on medium for a decade is that at a certain point, these platforms don't serve you anymore. You kind of need to be in charge of your list. You need to have control over your platform, over your website, over all those sorts of things and taking, taking charge of that destiny, uh, so far has always been more of a pain, uh, when, when I could just roll along with MailChimp. But MailChimp is cruising towards costing us almost a hundred bucks a month. <laughs> and we don't use any of the other tools. So it's just really driving me wild. Um, so basically, uh, and I will not go over this again. Uh, if you have, I'll probably, I'll probably do like a standalone about this at some point when, when we actually do it. Right. But it's going to come down to this. If you're already getting the newsletter, You've been opening the newsletter. You're fine. If you haven't been opening the newsletter, open the newsletter and then you'll, then you'll, you'll roll over. If you're already a backer, uh, on Patreon, great. Uh, you're, you're going to be signed up for the newsletter. <laughs> uh, you can, you can opt out of the newsletter if you want, but we're going to sign you up. You're going to make sure you're signed up. I got a, I got a bunch of, you know, stuff I'm going to have to do, uh, clerical work to get this working right. And then going forward, and this is, this is the part that. I'm going to speculate here on what I intend to do, but don't know if it can, it can work. I'm going to phrase it this way. I'm going to look into ghost and look at what the options are for us creating gift accounts for people who are either long-term backers or backers at certain tiers so that 
you can give the newsletter to your friends. I will, with, with, with some degree of ease, some degree, it's going to be a manual process, be able to give you guest accounts in Discord. Those are going to wind up being um, on request and will inform everyone based on two things for, for both of these. And, and once I figured it out, um, hopefully I really want to be able to do new newsletter this way. Cause it also means the value proposition of the newsletter is you can buy it for yourself, but you can also get it for a friend and folks are going to get gift invites based on uh, initially the number of years they've been a backer and the, 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 the tier at which they're at. And there'll be a formula there. Um, most of that's going to start at the $5 level, right? It's one of the reasons why we're fading out the $2 level. But also if folks have been a $2 backer for two or more years, you're also going to get some guest invites as well. Uh, because I want to, I want to keep some parity here. Uh, but a lot of that's going to start at the $5 level. And that's one of the reasons why that is going away. Uh, in a world where money fell out of the sky, uh, I wouldn't do any of this, but, uh, money's not falling out of the sky currently. And so I'm stuck doing this. Uh, if any of you happen to have some sky money lying around, please throw it my way and we won't do this. Well, we'll leave MailChimp because I can't reward them anymore for this behavior. And by moving over to ghost, we should be able to create a, a more unified experience and a better experience, uh, and really even expand, uh, some of our coverage. Uh, we're going to be able to like, you know, shrug our shoulders and kind of move into better digs and, uh, do more of what honestly the team has been asking for a while. And so I'm excited about that. Dreading the work because <laughs> I dread the work, but I am excited about that. All right. That is a whole bunch of information. I hope most of you didn't bother to listen because woof, what do you need that for? Uh, and next week, uh, there'll be tales of fun and joy and all the things. Uh, if you're at LDI, uh, uh, this weekend, I'm talking on Monday, uh, as part of the X live lineup, uh, looking forward to that. Uh, hope to see some of you there. I know I'm going to see at least one of you there or a couple of people I know are going to be there and hopefully you also meet uh, some new friends and make some new connections. All right. Um, let's do the end of the show. The associate producer of this podcast is Parker Sella. Music for No Persinium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society and Solar the Podcast. Special thanks to Siobhan O'Loughlin for voicing our intro. And all of this is my fault. I'm Noah Nelson. And until next time, I'll see you at the show. 